Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. My name is Simon Miller and yes, this is indeed a pro wrestling podcast. Hopefully the title gave it away, but if it didn't, well, shrug your shoulders, you've arrived anyway. Uh, thank you to anyone who is new listening this week. A couple of people dropped me a line on my Twitter at Simon316 and said, Simon, I never listened to your podcast before. I didn't even know you had a podcast, but I'm so happy to be involved. And let me tell you this, I'm happy to have you here. Again, if you are new, you may need to know the rules. Now, we're actually probably going to have more than two podcasts this week because there's so much going on but yes i always try and do one on a wednesday which you can check out on my youtube channel or on podcasting apps but the youtube channel is youtube.com forward slash the miller report rules but i also like to get patreons on to discuss wrestling for two reasons one these people very nicely support me at patreon.com for summary 316 wouldn't be able to do the podcast without those people but two having random conversations with people in the wrestling community always and i mean absolutely always just goes off in crazy unexpected directions and i enjoy that and that's why i'm very happy to say that this week we have my man alex on alex how are you this gray cold morning (laughs) (laughs) i'm doing good simon how are you today i'm I'm very well man i I was born well and i'll die well and i'll I'll annoy a lot of people in between by being way too positive but no i'm all good i'm all good dude thank you very much for being on and i mean look let's let's just get started dude here we are crazy week in the world of wrestling raw rumble's just gone down people leaving the wwe everyone going nuts let's not worry about that straight away though tell me man tell me how you got into this crazy sport of pro wrestling tell me why you love it so much just give me all the information that i need man um it's i think i'm kind of like everybody else where it's just one of those di- one of those things back in the day in the 90s when there's a lot of tape trading, a lot of renting videos from like your local video stores and stuff. Um, that's how I got into it. A buddy of mine was like ranting and raving. This is like when I was 96. WrestleMania 12 had just happened and ran and raving about this great Iron Man match. So uh, went over to a buddy's house and watched it. And I watched the Iron Man match, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. And I was glued to the television i was so amazed about what i was watching and what i was seeing and i thought it was the greatest thing and that's what helped get me hooked and from that's what got me into bret hart that's what got me into the wwe wwf then and i loved it and it's one of those funny things where I really appreciated watching the match, but I didn't appreciate like the greatness of Shawn Michaels because, you know, when you're a kid, you're not as, you know, smarky and, you know, kind of uptight and like they should have did this and they should have done that. But um, it's one of those things where I wish I had appreciated Shawn Michaels more because I did not like Shawn Michaels in the 90s. Oh, at yeah, all. I know yeah, I'm the same, man. I, uh, yeah. And when you're a kid, you don't know that he's, you know, a jerk backstage or he's politicking like crazy or anything like that. You just like, I like Bret Hart. You are not Bret Hart. I don't like you. (laughs) (laughs) So it's um, I just remember watching WrestleMania 12 and just being completely enthralled by it. And at the time, I wasn't able to watch. I didn't have cable. My parents didn't have it. So I was able, you know, you have to hear about this from like your friends at and I would always hear about like Austin 316 and, you know, the Bulldog couldn't beat Shawn Michaels, the King of the Ring. And it took me a couple of years before I was really starting to get into it because, you know, I didn't have TV. I was able to watch until like right in the heart of the Attitude Era was when I was really able to get into it. And it was uh, so many great memories, so many great childhood memories and me and my friends you know, practicing moves in the backyard. Go ahead. No, I guess the advert didn't work at all, did it? Don't try this at home. Everybody tried it at home. Everybody. Oh, everyone did. And it was that that's part of the reason why I never really got into it, because I remember as a kid later on when the Hardys and Dudleys and Edge Christian were doing their thing. Um, one of my friends had the bright idea to get a ladder out. And he had a trampoline as well. So he would get up on a ladder and like drop, drop leg drops on everyone. 
and he dropped one on me and it hurt so bad like i couldn't breathe for like 30 seconds it was like it was a bit of a scary situation <laughs> yeah. so dude that sounds terrible that's, that's absolutely awful <laughs> So yeah, please do not try this at home. I, Simon, you know more than anybody else how uh, dangerous yeah. this could be. Don't I just – I still get the tweets, oh, you injury-prone mother, so on and so forth. I'm like, all right, bro. I just wanted to try something. What do you need? Wrap myself up in cotton wool and never do anything. But yeah, it's all good. I, I, I ignore that stuff. And hey, man, that, that's the, you know, the best things in life usually come with it, some element of risk. That's just the nature of the beast. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. All right. So obviously, so, so I mean, by what you're saying there, then are we saying that Bret Hart is your guy? He's the one that, you know, when you get all nostalgic and sort of fuzzy about wrestling, he's the guy that pops into your brain. Yeah, he was the one that got me into it. And he was the first superstar that I thought, that's my guy. He's awesome. I had the shades. I had like a faux jacket made out of um, cardboard and painted black and pink and all that stuff. It looked quite geeky, but you know, it, it's such as life. <laughs> I'll actually, because that's brought up, I'll reveal a secret that I've never ever told anybody simply because there was no need to tell it to this point. But when I was a kid, I loved Bret Hart so much. I would lie to people and tell them I had a Hitman leather jacket. Like they want to just lie. I've got one of those. Where did I get it from? I just bought it. Like that's what I used to tell when I was like six years old. Just make up that I had one of those jackets. Cause I just, I just thought that was a cool thing to say that you had. What an idiot. <laughs> I did sort of the same thing because I had a friend who he won some kind of contest and he got like an authentic Bret Hart leather jacket, like signed by Bret Hart. Oh, that's amazing. That is. And I was so jealous of him. So I just like got as much cardboard as I can and tried to make it as it looked crap. But <laughs> when you're a fan and you're jealous of your buddy, you kind of have to do what you have to do, I guess. <laughs> oh, of course. No, of course. Um, it's quite interesting as well that you mentioned the whole thing between Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. Because I was at some of the other day, I was at a wrestling event, and people were talking about that. And still, you know, they, they were saying the same thing, how they grew up during that era. And it almost was like you did pick a side, even before everything in 97. It was like you either were a Bret Hart guy or you were a Shawn Michaels guy. And it kind of took you a few years to, to process that. And then obviously you realize that they're both just great performers. And yeah, sure, they had backstage you know, beef with each other, but that's just pro wrestling. Uh, it still right. it still blows my brain because you know in the conversations of best ever you know Bret Hart's there, Shawn Michaels there, of course. Um, but in terms of because you know I've been very lucky to do what I do in my own personal interactions, you know I got to meet Bret Hart at a WCPW show and he was very kind, very respectful, very nice to me. And yet Shawn Michaels has blocked me on Twitter for reasons <laughs> that I still don't know why. I even at one point went back through videos. I've never said anything. A, I don't think Shawn Michaels watches what culture wrestling videos. B, I've never said anything bad about him, but it always makes me laugh. Like, because it's that, you know, it's, it's almost like it's evolved. So when I was a kid, you know, I had, you know, I, I was a Bret Hart guy, not a Shawn Michaels guy. And now as an adult, I've had a wonderful interaction with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels blocked me. It's just like, it's, it's like, it's come round. It's come home to roost. It's so strange. I bet if you had the chance to meet Shawn Michaels, he would probably know how awesome of a guy you are. I'm sure he'd unblock you. So <laughs> That's very that Thank you, man. It makes me laugh, dude. I wore it like a badge of honor when I found out. It was so weird. I was like, oh, I was on Squared Circle or something, um, the Reddit thread, and they had, oh, Shawn Michaels says this. I thought that's an interesting tweet, so I clicked it. It just came up with, you are blocked. And I was just like, what? Why did I do? And I laugh for ages. Still laughing now. Love it. Um, okay, so, you know, what do you do in terms of WWE when all the – it's a bit of a boring question, but I still find it interesting. <laughs> when the whole Montreal screw – because, again, this was a conversation I was having. It's all well and good now being these super, you know, intense, nerdy wrestling fans where we know everything, which we do. But when I was a kid, I didn't know what happened at Survivor Series. I was like, I don't – you know, I was just like, okay, this feels uncomfortable and it feels weird – but I don't have the knowledge or the maturity to figure out what's gone on. And I carried watching wrestling regardless. Like I have a vivid memory of when Degeneration X brought out the, the little person, Bret Hart, and being like, this is all so weird. And then I found out he moved to WCW. Uh, and I did go check WCW out because of that. But even then I was like, well, I guess that's just the way they decided to do it. I mean, I carried on watching. It didn't stop me watching because, again, I, I don't, didn't really process the, the magnitude of the event. But what do you do when the guy that got you into it has this weird, you know, bizarre exit from the company? I, again, I was a kid. I didn't realize what was going on. I, I remember as – I remember Bret Hart was always there. He was always wrestling. I mean he had like a little bit of a hiatus. I think he was acting and then he 
came back and had that awesome Austin matches rivalry. It was just, oh, I could go on forever about that. <laughs> but um, the when Survivor Series happened, I didn't I didn't watch it live. Obviously, I had to watch it. You know, you hear about it the next day from friends and stuff. And all the older kids were like, you know, cussing a storm about it. And me as a kid, I'm like, I don't get it. What's going on? He he lost the match. He tapped out. I don't get it. What's what's going on? And then obviously I watch and I'm like, wow, what this what? Huh? How? (laughs) (laughs) And at the time, I didn't even honestly, I was so off from wrestling like I was so closed off because it was like Bret Hart's my guy WWE I that's it I didn't know there was a WCW so when he's doing the WCW thing on the pay-per-view he I had no idea what that was or what that meant and yeah that got my curiosity going I'm like oh I should check out WCW and see what's going on there and I watched it and I it's it just wasn't the same for me what really helped get me into WCW more than anything was Goldberg. Yeah. When I, Goldberg started tearing up mofos left and right and center, <laughs> that's when I got into WCW, and that's when I really got into it. And um, it just – even as a kid, I could tell watching WCW with Bret Hart, he was a shell of himself. He was not the same guy. Uh, obviously you hear, you know, he was heartbroken about the whole thing and a bunch of personal tragedies happened in his life and it's sad, but you know, what are you going to do? Right. That's, I think that's the weird thing with Bret Hart is that 97 event kind of just triggered just this horrible, horrible amount of, you know, this horrible chain of events that I don't think anybody could have foreseen coming. And, you know, you wouldn't wish on anybody, let alone someone that, you know, quote unquote, you consider a hero. So you know, it, it was very strange. But touching on the Goldberg thing, I mean, I, I was totally the same. I always flicked between. I was always a WWE guy, but I'd always flick between WWE and WCW because I was just fascinated by what they were doing, especially everything with the NWO. You know, as a guy that was brought up on Hulk Hogan, it, was, it took me a while to even process that he'd gone over there. But when when Goldberg arrived, I still talk about this today. His push was so good, and he turns up and he's just smashing fools like they're nothing. You're like, well, this is cool. And this is badass. Again, when you're young, you don't know about politics in wrestling or, oh, I don't want to do a job for that guy. All you do is you turn on your TV and you see this jack dude kill people. And you're like, well, he's pretty good. And I don't understand why we don't try and capitalize more on that now. I know you can't do it with everybody. And the guy has to have the right look and, you know, whatever the checkpoint things you need to tick off. But... It worked because it was so simple. And yeah, you had to sacrifice some other wrestlers, but I'm pretty sure you could make the argument that people that he went through early on were never going to reach the same. You know, even if they'd done the same with them, they didn't have the intensity or the, the personality, or whatever you call it, that Goldberg had. Hence why people like your good self was like, oh, who's this guy? I've got to go check him out. Well, one of the first matches I remember watching of Goldberg was his when he took the U.S. title from Raven. That match does not get talked about, about how great of a crowd that was. If you go back and watch that match, it's just fantastic. It was perfectly booked. It was perfectly, you know, executed. He, I think at that point he had like 50, 60 wins in a row or whatever. <laughs> Sorry, okay, babe. Whatever. <laughs> and it was just a fantastic match. And I look back on that match fondly because it was just – I thought it was such a great match. The interference from the flock. And he took a, a, a headshot from a stop sign, took that off like it was nothing, and then speared the guy. And the place came unglued. And then he lifts up – I can't even remember the guy's name. I think it was uh, – I don't even remember. But the 500-pound the guy from the flock that I think used oh, to be – Oh, yeah. Reese or whatever it was. Yeah, I know who you mean. Yeah, I think he used to be the Yeti or something. <laughs> yeah, he did. Something awful. Some awful WCW giver, yeah. <laughs> you know, he lifts him up. He's like 500-some pounds and jackhammers him. The place is going bananas. And <laughs> I, from that point forward, I was like, Goldberg's my guy in WCW. But then also, I'm still watching WWE, and Austin's tearing through the company, and The Rock is having his rise, and you know, Triple H is a great heel and he's got his new DX and he's telling everybody to suck it. And 
what a great time to be a wrestling fan. I mean, it really was. And the, the weird thing as well, to this day, I still find it baffling, is that, you know, the two top guys in WWE and WCW did look exactly like each other, or at least had similar traits. And I remember all the people at the time going, oh, WCW only did this to try. And I was like, bro, come on, man. You really think that's what they did? They kind of like went to the power plant. Okay, who here looks like Stone Cold Steve Austin? I know it's just one of those things where I guess it was just of the time. Because, you know, as much, I mean, I was always an Austin guy, first and foremost. And I, but I also love Bill Goldberg. But it's like, you know, Goldberg couldn't have done what Austin did. And Austin couldn't have done what Goldberg did. Because the way they approached things was just utterly different. I think they were the yin and yang of each other. They Absolutely. Both came, they both came up and both got hot at the right, they were at the right places at the right time. And it was just lightning in a bottle, especially for WCW, who, you know, they basically relied on wwe guys coming in they didn't have any homegrown talent and goldberg was the big homegrown guy that really helped them and helped take them off and obviously they screwed that up but you know <laughs> what are you gonna do well that's the thing i always find crazy because i mean I, I i like i i i again Always a WWE guy at heart, but I really liked WCW. Like, I really, really did. I enjoyed the competition. I enjoyed guys jumping back and forth to each of the products. And yeah, some of the things that they were doing over there were really good, such as Goldberg. And that's why I never understood why there was this... I mean, I get it now because of, you know, people don't like new guys coming in and getting and getting pushed. It's as simple as that. But, you know, just from a, a management point of view, like Vince McMahon would never have let this happen. And that's why, you know, we're all quick to criticize and, you know, come up with... Oh, you know, Vince McMahon does. But back in the day, and to this day, Vince McMahon runs a tight ship. And if he was running all that stuff with WCW, I don't think what would have happened ever would. And that's why I find it crazy when, again, you look at the boom of Goldberg, somebody that absolutely reignited interest in that product as the NWO were fulling off, gave them their second win. Really, if they had done it right, probably would have cemented the company for another who knows however long. And if you say that he blew up in, I don't even know what his debut was. I'm going to say 97, but that seems too early. 98? I can't remember, but let's say 98. But if, if he comes in in 98, I mean, he's gone by, it was 97. He's gone by, I mean, the company's dead by 2001. And Goldberg's already, you know, lost his momentum within a year. I late 2000. Because Absolutely, yeah. Got, and yeah, he, he came and he w faded fast. And because, like you said, it was so simple for him. It was simple in execution, and he took off like a rocket, and he unfortunately exploded like a rocket. And it's – what's funny to me is you – in today's wrestling, you have all these guys that are – especially with all the news with Ambrose and Hideo Tommy's been released. And I always wanted to ask, like, do you think we're in the middle of another boom period or we're getting close because – to me, think about this. When Ted bought WCW, it was late 80s, I believe, and they didn't really start taking off until a bunch of things started happening. Like they get Nitro Deal, NWO, and then Goldberg, and Sting's obviously a big star. It took years for them to really get into a quote-unquote boom period. Do you think this is something that with AEW and New Japan is popular now? Do you think we need to be a little more patient with this being another boom period? Yeah, I do. I also think – I just think the the environment is so different nowadays. I was having this conversation uh, with somebody uh, recently on the podcast that's going to wear soon too. It's – to me – AEW has already been a success for all the reasons you've just mentioned. I know that Atami is apparently going back to Japan, but still, I'm sure just the environment in general outside of WWE made him more confident that he could get away with leaving. And, you know, the Dean Ambrose stuff, all the rumors about Chris Jericho and what he's being paid. Apparently, Brock Lesnar having talks with AEW is the craziest thing ever. All of a sudden, there is a viable option backed by people that have money. So even if All Elite Wrestling is dead by 2020 and they couldn't get a TV deal, right now, taking wrestling for what it is, they have created competition. They have created a boom period because people are now confident about leaving. The crazy thing about 2019 is, while I would imagine that social awareness is bigger than it ever has been. Interest, if you look at it from traditional metrics, such as TV ratings, 
are down. And so all of a sudden, I, I understand that's bad for WWE regardless because, you know, they make money off their TV ratings these days. We know that with the deals they've signed for, for Fox and USA over the next five years. But that's why I find it crazy and really difficult to try and figure out what is good and what is not at the moment because there's too many variables. Like you could probably, I mean, look at MLW, right? They've basically started a company that relies completely on social media awareness. Like I'm able to watch MLW. They don't do anything over here in the UK. But because I know uh, Court Bauer and I've heard him on wrestling podcasts and I was intrigued to see what he was going to do and I followed him, I then discovered he's doing MLW and Simon Gotch is there doing really cool stuff and blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, that is a, you know, a piece of wrestling that I want to watch. And I start saying to myself, again, I'm very lucky to do what I do. You know, watching wrestling is part of my job. But then I start to think, what actually would I be watching right now if it was just from an entertainment point of view? Because MLW takes up some of my time. If AEW starts running something, that's going to take up my time. New Japan's got me, WWE. I can't watch it all. You know, I think one of the big problems we had with the Royal Rumble right now is that you were asked to watch, what was it, like 12 hours of wrestling? Or more, 14 <laughs> hours or 15 hours of wrestling in four days. Who can do that? Who can absolutely physically do that with a with a life? They, even a kid, like even as a kid, there's no way I would have had the time or my parents would have let me watch 15 hours of wrestling in four days. They just wouldn't have done it. Yeah, I agree. It's wait, the pay per views are are long. They're way too long. I, for me personally, I I have to watch them in bits and pieces just because it's too long. But. uh I, I will say that I definitely make a point to watch the NXT shows, the NXT takeovers, because, oh, I love them so much. They're, they're, they're giving me the satisfaction of a great wrestling show and great wrestling matches that, unfortunately, the main roster and the, the sports entertainment side is lacking in a lot of ways. Because, like, for example, we have this great Champa Gargano feud. I love it. It's taken me all sorts of ways, and I love it. To me, this rivalry ends with Gargano taking the title from Champa. Yeah. It, it has to be. But they took us in such a weird direction because he's he's turned heel, and he's embracing this darker side of himself, and obviously now he beat Ricochet, and he's North American champion. I, I didn't – I wasn't sure when they were – beginning to execute the heel turn for him. But I had faith because NXT has just been a fantastic show consistently. Look at on, on the other side, Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles. Put that on any other card for any other wrestling promotion. You're getting five, six, seven-star wrestling matches out of them. You're getting a great story. They completely foiled that as far as I'm concerned because the mat, like the Royal Rumble match was just – one, they put it in a dead spot, but also there was just no heat to the match. And then, obviously, you had a hokey ending with Rowan interfering, and it killed the <laughs> crowd, and it that. killed the rivalry to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I, I, my, my problem with AJ Styles versus Daniel Bryan match, and this is why I'm actually going to watch it this weekend. Again, wrestling nerd. I think it was absolutely <laughs> destroyed. I think you hit the nail on the head. Positioning destroyed it. No heat because the fans were, you know, understandably worn out from the Royal Rumble. Destroyed it. I actually yeah, they think should put, they should have put the Royal the Women's Royal Rumble should have been what closed the show. And you could have put, or at the very least, you should have put the Shane Miz tag team match after that Royal Rumble because it would have had no heat. But that storyline is so goofy and weird that fans need that after such a an emotional release of Becky Lynch winning the Royal Rumble. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I, I, I think that would have been a much, a much better way. But I, I think when I go back to watch it this week, I, I, weekend, I think I'm really going to like the AJ Styles-Daniel Bryan match. I mean, I think, I think I'm going to have to watch it with sort of other sounds on in the background because the dead crowd would always make you not enjoy something as, as much. But that goes back to what we're saying about stuff being too long, is that something's going to suffer because it has to. You can't yep. keep you can't keep a crowd at that level for six hours. It's just, there's just no way to do it. So yeah, that 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 was my big thing with that. But I will go back and, and I will see and I will see what happens. Uh, but that's why I kind of see you know, you know with the, the current WWE and Raw wrestling landscape at the moment is that you can't predict it. It's unpredictable. Like again, in May 2016, if I had told you that you know come this summer Cody Rhodes is going to be running his second show that he basically put on. 
you, you're going to be like, what are you talking about? Cody Rhodes is stardust. <laughs> like, he's not going to go out there and do that. But yeah, he's he has changed the dynamic. You know, no matter what you think about him as a wrestler, I think he's great personally, but I know some people don't. I, I, he's just like his dad. He's exactly. just like He is. And he's obviously inherited some of those traits. And now he's going to try and make a dent in the scene in general. And that's why... That's why I'm excited about what we've got at the moment. And I understand, oh, yeah, we shouldn't be too... We shouldn't get ahead of ourselves and, and, and so on and so forth. But, they're, they're, you know, something is happening. At least I hope something is happening. And I think the fact that the guys on the other side of the table are very self-aware, have their heads screwed on like you would want people in that position too. You know, it's not going to be... We talked about WCW. It's not going to be like WCW where the Young Bucks are the tag champions forever or Cody Rhodes are the champion forever. I've got no problem with them crowning themselves for a while, but I ultimately think they'll have stories planned and they'll know when to win them and they'll know when to lose them. I mean, again, I looked it up quickly. You know, Goldberg lost his undefeated streak at Starcade 98. And really, as soon as he lost that undefeated streak, WCW had no idea what to do with him. So you're talking about... You know, like, well, the finger poke of doom to follow that didn't exactly help matters. Exactly, right? So it all comes down. So you're literally talking September 22nd, 1997, all the way through to December 27th, 1998. You know, it's not, we'll call it a year. And, you know, before then, everything behind the scenes that had brought it down, I don't think we're going to get that. You know, I, I think obviously social media changes that. But if nothing else, the right guys are, are in charge of it, which is why I want to see what's going to happen. I really, really do. Like, I'm really fascinated. I, I mean, again, D- I don't believe Dean Ambrose would be true or not. Let's say true for now. I don't believe Dean Ambrose would be saying he's going to leave the company if everything outside of WWE wasn't how it currently is. I think that changes everything. Well, the thing with Ambrose that I find fascinating is he reminds me of CM Punk from a personality standpoint. He seems aloof. He seems kind of introverted and shy not to say that any of those traits are a bad thing at all i'm just saying he likes to keep to himself you don't really hear too much from all the the you know dirt sheets or whatever about like him and like you know what's his relationship like with renee and all that stuff well you don't hear that stuff he's very he keeps to himself yeah and there's nothing wrong with that so Ambrose not re-signing, I mean, I do still – I don't think he's going to be like CM Punk and, ne- and not return to wrestling or anything like that. I do think he'll pop up somewhere else because, I mean, pretty much since the Shield split, it's been a roller coaster for Ambrose. Like, I mean, I'm glad that he was WWE champion. He beat the Shield, but it's just been such a roller coaster because he's been in and out of – icy title feuds and doing nothing and then reuniting the shield to i mean those two times that they reunited the shield just they did nothing for me they weren't the same because you could you could clearly tell it was a vehicle to help get roman cheered and fans saw right through that unfortunately and like you said with you grew up with hogan you said right yep um i did not when I first watched Hogan, he was a big baddie NWO guy, and he was hilarious. <laughs> but um, I never really got into that, you know, say your prayers and eat your vitamins because when I was a kid, I was brought up on the Attitude Era, and you know, it's all attitude and in your face. And when you present this hokey stuff, that's when I turn the I turn it off mentally because I don't care because. Part of the reason, like, I I was going to get to this, that I had a period where I stopped watching. It was a combination of different things that turned me off to wrestling for a period. One was obviously Austin and Rock were gone. Because when Bret Hart left, Austin and Rock rose. Those were my guys. Loved those guys. They I watched them from 99 to 2003. They were fantastic, and I love what they did for the business. Yeah. When they were gone, that, okay, I'm still watching because they brought Goldberg in and it started out fine until until that elimination chamber. And yeah, it just wasn't the same there. And then Lesnar left. And then, okay, Eddie Guerrero's champion, awesome. JBL beats him on a technicality. 
Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but, and then Ben Wall was world champion, and he had a lackluster title reign, and Randy Orton took it from him. It was, that didn't help matters. And then John Cena rose and became popular. And I was into John Cena at first. When he's doing the whole Eminem shtick, white rapper gimmick, you know, I thought it was, it was different, but I thought, okay, this is cool, and it was part of the times, and okay, I can get with this. And then he kept winning and winning and winning and winning, and he beat guys that he had no business being in the ring with, like Kurt Angle and Shawn Michaels. I'm like, ugh, I can't. This is not helping. But um, And then, obviously, one of the things that I just could not stand for and I couldn't take was um, – when Benoit situation happened, that was, that's what really took me over the edge. I'm like, I need a break for a while. Yeah. No, I think a lot of people did that because the whole point with wrestling is that it's an escape, right? It sounds so silly to say, but it's true. You, you watch it because you get dumb entertainment or however you want to explain it. And you can forget about it. It's why it's what fun and entertainment is all about, which is why, uh, when uh, what was the, there was a skit on Raw recently, and I saw loads of people saying, "Oh no, we absolutely should do this because it's reflective of real life." I'm like, no, that's one of the reasons you shouldn't do it. You know, sometimes people don't want to, they want to pretend that, that stuff's not going on. And so when the, the you know the Benoit thing happened, especially someone that had the reputation to be you know well regarded, well respected, uh, you know, pretty much a, a, a decent human being all round. I, I think as, we, as a wrestler, I loved Benoit. Yeah, he was my. He was another one of my guys. I enjoyed watching his matches. I just from a wrestling standpoint, he was the best wrestler. He was to me. He was better than Kurt Angle. He was better than Shawn Michaels. He was a better gifted technical wrestler than all of them. But obviously nobody says that because obviously the horrible situation. And I understand that. I completely get it. But no, no, for yeah. that period of time, I, he was my guy. No, and I, I think – I'll yeah, we'll talk about that in a second, but you know, you still you still had thoughts and feelings of him before that happened, right? Like, you know, it, no one sat there and well, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to like this man in case he becomes a it kills his family. Like, no one ever ever had that thought in in their head, and I think it was the fact that he did have that kind of uh, relationship with the fans that actually made it twice as shocking. Hence, why when it all goes down, you do think to yourself, maybe. Well, I did. I, like I say, you did as well. I just need to take some time off. And I think Dave Belter talked about it in the Wrestling Observer that apparently at you know, that, that period there was sort of like, is this going to kill everything? You know, is this going to be the end? Because how on earth can anybody come back to this? How do you carry on when something so much, you know, more important and no prominent has, has gone down? And that was always the thing. That's always been the thing for me. Again, I know I'm just talking from my own personal point of view as I always do. But sometimes right. you see these bizarre, in my opinion, bizarre uh, you know, vitriolic arguments. Oh, he should be included in the Hall of Fame. I'm like, no, he shouldn't, man, because some things are just higher up the chain of priorities than being a good pro wrestler. And I understand the stuff with CT, uh, the concussion stuff, and, you know, I I'm sure that did all play into it. But, you know, actions are actions, and sometimes they do have to speak louder than anything else that that's happened. Which, again... I mean, think of it this way. Look at all the negative press WWE got with the the shows in Saudi Arabia last year. Well, yeah, exactly. Imagine they go put, uh, you know, a, 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 put Benoit in the Hall of Fame. Multiply, you'll multiply that by a thousand. Yeah, and also it's just it's an insult to the family. It's an insult to the situation. You know, it doesn't mean it's a cut and dry situation where you know it's it, it's again. I understand there are other things that do need to be discussed when you are bringing up Benoit again. The whole things that he may have been suffering with but it doesn't take away from what happened and that always has to be at the center of everything and yeah no i totally get it man i didn't watch wrestling for a while after that i just needed i needed a cleanse i needed a detox but because pro wrestling yeah, somehow I, yeah i did too and thankfully some guy from chicago sat on his knees sat on the titan tron sat on the ramp and cut a pipe bomb and got me right back into it. Isn't it weird? So what year? Was it literally 2011 then? Was it that long or were you already kind of dipping your toe back in? Was it 2011? When did he cut that pipe bomb promo? I can't remember now. Yeah, 2011. Yeah. It was 20 it, well, initially, no. It was The Rock came back in 2011. Yeah. And that when that happened, everyone was reporting on it. Like local news that don't report wrestling at all were reporting the rock was in this because i think at the time the fast five movie came out and he kind of 
revolutionized his career as a Schwarzenegger action guy. And obviously it was a great movie. So when he came back, he's hot off that, I think. So, or he's close to releasing that movie. And, you know, The Rock was my guy and I knew all the catchphrases and I practiced the eyebrow, you know, <laughs> religiously to get it right. And I Dude, still can't. So I, I, was, I taught myself to raise one eyebrow because of The Rock. How stupid is that? It's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. I still can't after all these years. I don't think I have the muscle in my, in my head. I don't know. Oh, um, dear. But when The Rock came back, he, I, I got into it. And obviously also he rock bottom John Cena. And I'm like, yes, thank you. Thank you very much. But it helped get me into it. And I watched and it was punk that really got me back into it because he cut probably one of the best promos I've ever heard in that pipe bomb. It was so fantastic. And it was exactly what he cut to the core of what I thought and probably what a bunch of other wrestling fans thought that grew out of it, grew up, and grew away from WWE. It's too PG. It's too cookie cutter. We need a dose of realism. We need a dose of that attitude we used to have. I'm not trying to say brawn panties matches. You don't have to bring that back. That's perfectly fine. But but that attitude of I'm I'm a wrestler, I'm going to be the top guy, and I'm going to destroy you to get there. We needed that. And Punk absolutely did that. And you know, they screwed that up too, which I'm sure led to him wanting to leave. But Punk was having obviously also the fact that Punk was having fantastic matches with Cena. I mean, I, I couldn't talk enough about that. I mean, it was just fantastic. And then when he left, I watched that whole period from the pipe bomb to when he left. And I still watch today. And I get it. I totally get why he left. I understand why he left. He Same thing with Ambrose. He doesn't like the hokey stuff. And towards the end, Punk's in a rivalry with the authority and he's having to do comedy stuff. He did a comedy thing in the Rumble match itself. I think he had to avoid – he took a Hurricane Rana from – was it El Torito? Uh, yes, I think so, yeah. That's hokey. Why are you <laughs> giving punk hokey stuff? Why are you giving Ambrose hokey stuff and spraying Kane and Randy Orton with ketchup and mustard? I mean, come on. I don't know is the answer to that. Like someone asked me – I was talking to – again, always talking to somebody about wrestling. Uh, but start with the CM Punk thing why i mean i i think there is a very obvious reason but it's more interesting if i just ask you outright to see what you say why do you think wwe treated him because i think this ties into ambrose as well why do you think even with the swell of support and again you know bringing people like your good self back into wrestling which i'm sure showed on the back end i'm sure they had analytics to say oh man that pipe bomb promo as we know that it did so why do you think they didn't capitalize on that and why why do you think the cm punk was always this in many ways he was a top tier guy, but he was never the guy. Um, I truly think that it's just they did not like him personally. And they tell you all the time, all the wrestlers when they're in interviews, have a relationship with the boss. And I get it. We in I'm in corporate America. I get it. I totally understand that. But wrestling is not corporate well, they're trying to be corporate and they pretty much are, but it's still like in a sense, the land of the it's the land of the jungle. The strong survive in the WWE because it's such a taxing business. Punk, I don't think Triple H ever liked him. I think all that stuff about him not liking him, I think, are valid. And I don't think Vince. I think Vince kind of liked him because obviously he made him a lot of money at that that 2011 2013 period. But it's just because I don't think they liked him. They kept pushing him down and trying to defuse the situation because he had, was such a name when he came from Ring of Honor and he was the champion and he had all this buzz about him. Because I remember that buzz when I was still watching and they put him in ECW and he's rising and he's world champion and IC champ, tag champ and the straight edge society. He, You could see over the years him rising and – doing it in a way that I think fans appreciate. Fans appreciate a tough journey. That's why we still chant, you know, 
you know, do the Zack Ryder thing because we still like Zack Ryder because of all the crap he's been shoveled to him over the years. <laughs> but obviously with Punk, he touched a very real nerve with fans, and that's why they love him because there's – I mean he comes off as a jerk, and he doesn't seem like a likable guy. But he does still have a likable quality to him, if that makes sense. No, I think yeah, I think you're right. Like, well, I think maybe it's that he's got an edge to him, right? And maybe it's that edge in the world of pro wrestling that worked because people knew that he was real. That's something that I think is is missing from WWE. Uh, again, we've talked about scripted promos a thousand times, but you know, tying it into Raw this week, that um, promo by Seth Rollins was one of my favorite promos I've seen ever because I could tell he meant it. You know, he didn't say anything. It wasn't like a a great segment or a you know a historic segment or anything like that but it was just a guy who always clearly wanted to be a wrestler who got to win the Royal Rumble you know go on to main event at WrestleMania even though he probably won't properly main event it but whatever and you could just tell it was etched all over his face same with Triple H when he came out and it goes to show how powerful words are and I think Punk did the same thing when Punk talked you were like well I'm sure you're you're setting up an angle because that's what wrestling is but I also think that you're not saying anything you don't mean deep down and that's why the pipe bomb promo was so good is that even if it had been meticulously gone through, Punk was like, well, I'm going to read this anyway because I mean it. Like, this has come from my heart. And that is something that we miss in wrestling these days. Same thing with Ronda Rousey. I understand she had all the you know scribbles, but when she actually cut that promo on Becky Lynch at the end of that segment, pure fire. Because I'm sure she actually thinks that. Yes, I'm sure, do more of that. Yeah, I'm sure she does believe in her legacy. And so she should. She did do that. She did absolutely change, you know, mixed martial arts for female athletes. You can't argue it because she absolutely did. But tying all this into Dean Ambrose, and this is why I get confused, he was given all the hokey shit to do. Oddly, he was very good at it. Like, you know, while I didn't necessarily like the positions he was put in, I actually always thought Ambrose, like when he dressed up as a Mountie, that was actually, again, the fact I remember it goes to show, it must have tickled me to some degree. Again, not necessarily a, a spot I want to see Dean Ambrose put in, but he was, again, you know, made uh, lemons. Well, that, yeah, that's the thing, because I remember watching him on the Independence as John Moxley, and he was a Sandman, Stone Cold Steve Austin type killer on the indies yeah absolutely again my friend of mine asked they said something about dean ambrose in wwe and i said go and watch john moxley and he said what's he like i said kind of imagine like stone cold steve austin meets cm punk but also a psychopath it's like you know he's this is crazy i mean he he can do funny stuff i remember he did um he did some kind of blood match in the independence and he's like singing sweet caroline to the crowd like what is this yeah. Oh, no. He, he, he's got layers to him. Absolutely. But the question is, I don't think WWE have the same feeling towards Dean Ambrose that they do CM Punk. So why is it that he has been put in these gimmicky angles? Because, you know, he was put in a very difficult and controversial story, given everything that happened with Roman Reigns. And yet then within a month, he is a germaphobe. Do you know what I mean? That's a very strange evolution of that character given that it starts with, like I say, a very intense and divisive, you know, a divisive storyline. So why is it? Why, why did WWE decide we'll just make Dean do it? Why can't they go, again, why can't they look into his past and what he did as John Moxley or, or whatever and kind of go in that direction? That's, what I, that's where I get confused because he doesn't seem like he's rustled any feathers. Uh, the statement WWE put out their website was very nice, you know, very, very kind to him, if anything. Sounds like they'd, they'd welcome him back. Again, it could be a work, but it who knows? It was weird that they did that because they normally don't. Normally, it's the standard after he's been released, we wish you well in your future endeavors, blah, blah, blah. This is weird. This is not something they normally do. So I don't know what the end game is where people are saying it could be a work. I don't know. I'm If it is a work, bravo. Good for you. I'm happy if it is because I want – I want him to stay, obviously. Also, I like being worked. Like I know that sounds ridiculous, okay. but I'm a wrestling fan. Whatever you've got to do to trick me, do it. And if you get me, I'm all right with that. Like That's the whole point. Agreed. I don't mind that at all. If, it, if it's a work, work. Work away. Make it a good work. Don't, be, don't work for the sake of working, which they sometimes do, and it fails miserably. But to answer your question, I, I don't think they hate – Dean Ambrose or whatever is real John Good I think is his real name. <laughs> is his name. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't think they dislike him. I just think he keeps to himself and he doesn't like the hokey stuff which I'm sure angers writers and whatever but um why they give him all that hokey stuff is because I don't think they're willing to give it to 
Seth and Dean. I mean, to Seth and Roman, because I think they view they definitely viewed Roman as the star, and they like Seth a lot too because I think Triple H has a fondness for him personally, which you could kind of tell in that promo because Triple H got all choked up too. Absolutely, so, and I got no I got no problem with that man. Like you know, let reality well, slip into my storyline. I don't either. I have no problem with that. Um, but with Dean, I don't, I don't think they just, I don't think they view him as a star. I, I, I don't know anything about merch sales or what he's done on with TV ratings or how his YouTube clips do like on views. I don't know anything about that, but I think he, I think he, he's a prideful guy and he wants what's best for him and his character, because he's got the money. I'm sure WWE pays him very well. I don't think he has to worry about money for the rest of his life, which is good for him. But with that, there's a, there's a pride factor to it. And I think he has pride, and he wants to be treated more seriously and not come out dressed like Bane, being a germaphobe. I don't think he wanted to do any of that stuff, and I get it. I totally get it, because it's, it's dumb. <laughs> It's very weird. I didn't mind the Bane jacket. I didn't mind the sirens. I didn't mind all his sort of cronies. What I didn't get was... And that just turned me off to it. Yeah, but what I, the thing I really didn't get was, why are you a germaphobe? <laughs> you weren't a germaphobe a week ago. So, you know, why, why are you... And also, they clearly gave up on that quite quickly. Because where did it go? It didn't go anywhere. They, you know, he won the Intercontinental title and... You know, they started doing those promos that were kind of shot from the side. And I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. It's kind of different. But yeah, it never really went anywhere. And that's, that, that's why I never really understood it with Dean Ambrose. Because, yeah, if you do look at the three members of The Shield, it did always feel a little bit like he was in third place for one reason or the other. And maybe that is because, you know, from, we don't know him and I would never profess to. But maybe that is because of just the way... the way Which, he, is, un- which is unfortunate because he... Um, when they... In the original Shield... He had the most character than anyone. He had he talked more than Seth and Roman than Dean and or Seth and Roman. I'm getting confused. Um, he had more character. He had more character, more personality. He talked more on the mic in the original Shield. So yeah, he carried it. I, I don't get it at all. No, I mean, I, I genuinely think it may be if we are talking again. If he is a little bit keeps to himself and whatever backstage maybe that's you know that's why that's why he 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 never really reached out to the right i don't know i don't know but i do remember when he won that wwe title at uh, tlc or whatever the hell it was there was a, a swell around dean ambrose you know there was a there was a certain excitement which obviously carried over as well to roadblock remember roadblock when he fought triple h I remember, oh yeah, I remember yeah. Pe- people were desperate to see uh, to see uh, Dean Ambrose win that, and I understand why he didn't. You know, it was building to something else, and it was like a, a a bump in the road as they as they went on to WrestleMania. But there was a a certain atmosphere around Dean Ambrose at that point, which I never really felt that WWE capitalized on. Which again, I understand. I literally on another podcast that's going to drop this week, I was having the exact same conversation about Braun Strowman. That when Braun Strowman was on the tipping point, you couldn't do anything with him because the goal at that time was to push Roman Reigns. And I ain't got nothing against that. It's WWE's decision. I know, again, controversial. But I think it was the same with Dean Ambrose. They had a different agenda. And it means when guys have kind of got to that point, naturally and organically, there's that word, you have to jump on it. And if you don't, you will go the other way. And I think that's kind of what happened with Dean. And now he's in a position, yeah, I mean, what the last rumor I heard was that, and again, this changed very quickly, obviously, but was that he was going to be taken on EC3 at WrestleMania for the IC Championship. And I thought that was okay, but it wasn't really a marquee yeah, match. That, yeah, that's okay, but, I mean, it's tough with WrestleMania because there's so much great talent and there's so many great guys and girls out there that you want to see in a prominent spot get an opportunity to steal the show. And Dean is one of them, Absolutely. EC3 for the IC title? Eh, not really. Not for me. Um, do you think we're going to see Dean again in WWE? Because they obviously made the the statement, what do you do with him until his contract expires? Do you still book him prominently for on the show? I don't know, man. I mean, that's, that's the million-dollar question, isn't it? I, it's fascinating for them to, 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 to announce this I, so early. I, yeah, because he had a little thing with Triple H. I I liked the match at Roadblock. I liked when they ha- were the final two in the Royal Rumble years ago. 
they seem to have good chemistry. I'm all for a match with those two. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's impossible to kind of decipher because it's brand new territory, right? Did, does he just vanish from television? Does he do his feud with Nia Jax that was teased? You know, is he a backup for... Is, <laughs> is he a backup for, you know, the whole Batista thing? Because obviously that was the rumoured match with Triple H originally, Triple H versus Batista. Does he kind of get pushed into that spot as well, drafted in? I don't know. I don't know what you do, but if there's no bad blood and you do want to work together again, I don't think... I don't mind him vanishing from TV. That makes good business sense, right? But, you know, if you job him out for, for three months, then that probably would create a, a certain, you know, a, a foible in the relationship, which, which could come back to haunt them. But, yeah, I really don't know. I, I don't know where it's going to go. I, I, you know, even though 95% of me thinks it's real, there is a small sort of wrestling fan part of me that thinks I'm being, you know, have the wall pulled over my eyes. So I'm not giving into it entirely. But, yeah, I can't, I can't answer that question. But I do think somebody like Dean Ambrose going... I think Dean Ambrose outside of the WWE is a much bigger star than Dean Ambrose inside the WWE. Because, A, people like us are going to be interested to see where he's going to go. He's not a super, super big star like a Chris Jericho is in terms of mainstream appeal, I don't think. But I still think he's within that element. I think, that, again, I know loads of casual wrestling fans um, who will... If he joined AEW, for example, would then want to watch AEW just to see what he's going to do. I do think he has that much of a draw. Uh, and obviously, you know, The Shield, much like CM Punk, they did draw a few people back in. Like, The Shield was pretty cool at the time. A lot of people were around for their run, and then they and then they vanished again. So it's incredible that they're, I mean, they're not letting him do it, of course. It's just the nature of the, uh, nature of the beast. But... You know, if Cody, if Cody Rhodes, if Dean Ambrose walks into Cody Rhodes, you know, run promotion tomorrow, I think Dean Ambrose is a is a top guy straight away. You know, it's that weird thing that when you come out the other side of WWE because you've been on TV, because you've constantly been in the conversation, because you've had world title runs and you've been with the Shield, this huge group, Seth Rollins, you know, Roman Reigns, you you have a certain stock to you that I mean, it would only get you so far. But when you have the talent that Dean Ambrose has, that you know has been shown in WWE, but also in the indies before that, I think it becomes a game changer. He almost does become a, a Cody Rhodes in, in that well, kind I, of a sense. I agree. Um, I just think also, and I'm not trying to speak ill of Roman Reigns because I never disliked Roman Reigns the individual because I he was just pushed down our throats. Um, I I want him to tackle and beat leukemia more than anybody else. I want him to live a long, happy life more than anyone else. I'm, I'm all for it. But WWE's insistence on pushing him is going, I, I thought initially it was going to bite them in the butt and it kind of has because who Brock Lesnar and Seth Rollins, while I'm, I'm for that match, I'm sure a lot of people are like, eh, seen it before. Don't really care. Eh. But then they screwed up Braun Strowman. And now I think, because McIntyre didn't win the Rumble, I think he's probably going to be on a bit of a downward spiral because their insistence on pushing Roman. But now with the women, with Becky and Ronda and Charlotte, that to me is those are your next top people. Those are the next top girls that could carry the company because Becky is just on fire. I mean – that promo with her and Ronda was just money. I loved it. I ate the whole thing up. I loved it. Ronda's promo to begin, it was weird. I think the fans are turning <laughs> on her. Sorry. The fans are turning it was on her. Weird. It was weird. I felt sorry for her, but it was weird. Exactly. I mean, the, those two, and I'm fine if you add Charlotte to it as well, because I think that puts it over the top, and that's your show-closing main event is – Becky, Ronda, and Charlotte. If it's just Becky and Ronda, I don't think WWE, or at least I don't think Vince feels that's the show closing main event. So I, I think, what do you think? I think you've got to go with lightning in the bottle. And for the first time, you know, as, as opposed to lip service where, you know, WWE says something, but it's not true. The women absolutely should main event WrestleMania and not because they're women, but because they've got the best thing going and right now they've got the most interesting storylines and they've got the best wrestlers and they're the people that should always main event your biggest show as far as I'm concerned. I, I think agree. I think if they don't do either a one-on-one -on -one or a three-way, I'm happy with either. I've completely bought into this idea that if you do the three-way, you actually will get a better match and really deep down no one cares as long as Becky wins, which she will. 
Uh, and also, I like the idea, again, Ronda Rousey is already a name. You know, Ronda Rousey is not famous for wrestling. Ronda Rousey is famous because of MMA and everything she's done after that. So I actually think... It, Ronda Rousey gets people in the door. Exactly, yeah. So I think if you are going to do this historic thing, which a main event, you know, featuring at main, at WrestleMania with women is, I think it's nice to get two quote-unquote homegrown talents in there. I actually think Charlotte has been so good that she... It deserves is a weird word, but she does. She deserves to be in it as far as I'm concerned. I think that's why that's why you put her in it. And I think if WWE ignore this, then they have missed the boat. Like they, they haven't striked they haven't striked at the right time at all. I don't think you can get to WrestleMania thirty six. You can, you can get to WrestleMania thirty six and try and do it again. And I'm sure it could work depending on what the current lay of the land is. But right now it does work. Like, I, I I'd love Seth Rollins to beat Brock Lesnar in a really sort of feel good match, but I don't want to see it as the main event. And I, I can't even figure out who Daniel Bryan's going to face. But again, I won't need to see that match in the main event because deep down, the way that things are going on TV and just how I feel anyway, I know what I want to see. And what I want to see is again a combination of those three women for that title with Becky Lynch winning. And I want to see it go on last, mostly because we haven't had that feel-good moment at WrestleMania for ages. And then, you know, then we could take it from there. I just think that makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, and that's the thing with WrestleMania is the last few years. It's just they've all ended on such downers that it hurts, and fans remember that. I mean, like WrestleMania 32 in Dallas, I thought was a great WrestleMania, but because Roman and Triple H went on last in a long match that nobody cared about, it dragged the show down. Yeah, no, I, I, it, I think it does. Yeah, I, what was it? The year before, Seth Rollins cashed in and won the title. That was a feel-good moment. I loved that moment. That was great. Yeah. That's 31. What was that, four years ago? Yeah, it was, man. Yeah. <laughs> Terrifying, right? After that, it's been Roman. Roman beats Triple H for the title. Nobody cares. Roman beats The Undertaker. Nobody wanted that at all. Uh, last year, Brock Lesnar beats Roman, and they booked that just because it was so predictable. They wanted to be unpredictable. I mean, and nobody cared about that either. So, uh, yeah, come on. Strike while the iron's hot. I, you never know. Maybe Vince is so desperate. It's like, hey, Roman, how's how's the treatment going? You think you can come back for WrestleMania? Maybe. See, I think it, even if he was good to go, I would wait. I would wait. I feel like the card is setting up by itself. And I just think there's, you know, there's more in him coming back. It's the same with Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn. Uh, you know, whoever else you've got, you know, I would just wait. Just wait till after WrestleMania. You always need that boost. You always need new storylines. You always need new feuds. Again, I've already, I feel like I've already got enough investment in this mania, no matter what direction they're going. I mean, maybe Daniel Bryan needs somebody to, to go against so you could introduce one person back. Cena. I think, I, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I think it would be an interesting dynamic to see John Cena and this new vegan healed. Daniel Bryan have a match. I think that would be interesting because they had a match SummerSlam in 2013. That was a fantastic match. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. I guess you switched it around a little bit. I I don't see who can challenge him for the title. Do they go all in with Mustafa Ali? Maybe. Do you go with Randy Orton? I don't think a lot of people want to see that. They, they've done AJ Styles, and I think that should be done and dusted with that rivalry. So who's next? If you do Cena versus Daniel Bryan, who wins, though? Bryan. Absolutely. Because Cena, I mean, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> that's, that's, that carrot of, be, of breaking Flair's record is an interesting dynamic, but... John Cena is here purely to one because I think he still loves the business, but also to put guys over. I personally would rather see John Cena. I think he would do the right thing and let Brian beat him because that's the right thing to do. And you always put you always put the new guy over. Um, I mean, another thing you could do, and I know this is a crazy idea, but Samoa Joe. Those oh, promos are just fire. Now you're talking. Now you're talking, man. Like, I mean, it's never going to happen, but man, do I want it. Turn him babyface and let him go against Brian. No, I'd love it. I'd love it. I don't believe, I'll never believe that. I, I, I think that they have tagged Samoa Joe. At, this is his level, for lack of a better term, which is fine. It's their company, but yeah, I, I love him. I love him. I love him. He's brilliant. 
which is unfortunate because he always hits it out of the park. Yeah, he always. got me that that up until the match with Brock Lesnar, that, that buildup was one of the best buildups I've seen in years. Oh man, and yeah, it's because everything Joe says is is spot on, right? Absolutely spot on. He is and then he, and then he chokes out Heyman that nobody saw coming, and it was in such a cool, calculated serial killer vibe kind of way that was just amazing. Oh, he's, he's great. He's great. There's no two ways about it. My thing with Cena and Bryant at WrestleMania is I can see somebody backstage pitching, you know, All-American Hero, John Cena comes back to, you know, slay the environmentalist. I mean, the Daniel Bryan gimmick's hilarious anyway because he's technically the biggest face there is. But I can see that being pitched. Uh, but I, 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 I like it. I think, you know, for me, WrestleMania is, is half the time just about what's on the paper. You know, what's actually, I'm going to look at the card and get excited. And if I see John, you know, Daniel Bryan versus John Cena for the, for the championship, straight away I'm going to be like, okay, I, I want to see this because I'm intrigued. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But it's just one of those things where it's like, I don't know what you do. Do you hotshot one of these NXT call-ups to, do, to have a match with Daniel Bryan? I, I don't know. I personally would love it if Aleister Black really is being called up. Go all in with him. Go all in with him. Have him feud with Daniel Bryan. I'm all for it. I would love to see Ricochet and Daniel Bryan in a match. That could be fantastic. Well, but- dude, that, that brings us full circle, my friend. Because if they did do that, do you know who it would be like? Bill Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> Go all in. Go. I totally agree with you. Go all in with him. Don't worry about it. Push him to the it moon. With Aller before he got hurt. Yeah, exactly. Because he comes in. I can work with Kevin Owens, right? Come in, make a splash. I'm, I'm all about that. that. I'm all about that. Always about that. It worked once, and I guarantee it will work pretty much every single time. And if you put some people's noses out of joint, all right. But that's just wrestling for you. That's just the way well, it goes. Do it, do it with the right guys. Don't do it with Lars Sullivan. Please don't do it with Lars Sullivan. Why don't you like Lars Sullivan? Generic. I, I mean, look, <laughs> there's there stories about him. He had an anxiety attack, and I wish him well. I don't mean ill will towards him, the individual. But yeah. him, the character don't care for remember last year in that ladder that fantastic ladder match he was the only one that was getting booed he was the only one nobody cared about everybody else killian dane love him ricochet love him ec3 love him adam cole love him i mean he was the one that you could tell the company are high on because obviously they want to put him with cena i i don't care really I think I, I, I totally see where you're coming from. I need to see how they, when he eventually gets the mayor, I need to see how they treat him. Then I'll know. In, in a few weeks, I'll, I'll have an idea because I probably would have said the same thing about Braun Strowman and he managed to absolutely surprise me. So I, I, I tread the boards carefully with Lars Sullivan, but you're right. In I, term, in terms, I was never on board with Strowman either. Sorry, man? I was never on board with Strowman. Well, even, when never- he, even at his height. Not really. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just it's just a preference, obviously. Yeah, I, of course, I mean, absolutely, man. Yeah. I mean, I I laughed when he put Owens in the porta potty and tipped it over because <laughs> you know I grew up watching Jackass and that stuff was hilarious to me. So, but you know, I think the the time has come and gone with Strowman. I think he's too much damaged goods to me personally. Honestly, go ahead and put him on SmackDown and put him with Brian, and he can rehabilitate his character. Wow. Well, yes. <laughs> just, just do another Wyatt family thing, but instead of like cult New Orleans guys, make them vegans. Well, I tell you, man, Elimination Chamber. Daniel Bryan retained thanks to Luke Harper. I tell you. I'm calling it now. <laughs> I'm calling it now. Uh, right. On that note, that hour has just whizzed by. So we will start to uh, round this up. Dude, is there anything else you want to pimp out there, advertise, throw out into the world? Anything you want, you certainly can do. Uh, nothing really. Just uh, another wrestling fan. And uh, thank you, Simon, for doing what you do. Um, I'm a proud Patreon supporter. And um, I look forward to more great content in the future. That's very kind of you, dude. And again, thank you very much for supporting me, man. Uh, it really does mean it does mean the world. And thank you to everyone that listens each and every week. Uh, I'm not that kind of guy that usually pimps this stuff out, but numbers keep going up. And that makes me happy. So thank you so much for everyone that keeps listening. Again, you can watch it all on YouTube, youtube.com for the middle report rules. It's on iTunes. It's on Google. It's on all podcast stores. You just search for Simon's Pro Wrestling Podcast. Come follow me on Twitter, Instagram at Simon316. 
Uh, we talked about the Patreon uh, on Wednesdays. If you're around 1 p.m. GMT, we always do it live on the YouTube channel as well. But otherwise, look, have lovely weekends. Enjoy anything you've got planned, and I will talk to you all again very soon.